Loop me in, odd one. This is us, and we're awesome. We do cool things. I read books and watch movies, and then, by God, I podcast something about it. This town is in serious trouble. Well, welcome, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Take Me to You, Reader, a Pavement Pounders podcast. I'm Seth. I'm James. And I'm Colin. And we are the Pavement Pounders, running buddies who enjoy science fiction movies and books. And we like to talk about both of them. And Take Me to Your Reader is the podcast where we discuss adapted science fiction at its best and worst. This time we're kind of doing a special episode, shaking things up a little bit. Because generally what we do is we take something that's fairly classic. Either the book or the movie is sort of classic. And... This time, neither the book nor the movie is very old. Uh, we are going to be doing not a podcast, but an oddcast. An oddcast, odd yes. We're going to be talking about Odd Thomas, which is a 2003 Dean Koontz book, which has just very recently finally been released in a film adaptation that we will discuss the merits of. Um, at least James and, at James and I will, and sure. Colin then will uh, discuss the demerits of. Um, even, yeah, even negative merits are merits. Okay, there we go. Um, but yeah, changed it up just a little bit from our, our typical format. And actually for the next one, we're also going to be doing something that's not all that old. Um, but, Timeline. Yes, and we'll talk about that later in the show. And we'll kind of reveal what we're going to do for the next two or three. Um, because I have it planned out, even if you guys don't know. So at the outset here, I would like to talk about um, just a little bit of our history with the book. And Colin, I think since you read it first, why don't you go first? It's pretty simple. I bought the book in a safe way. Uh, in hardcover? Reading. Uh, no, in softcover. Okay. They don't sell a lot of hardcovers at Safeway. Right. I guess that's true. Uh, I was buying lots of books then. Now we borrow lots of books from the library. Sure. We read lots of books on the Nook. Uh, I have this book on the Nook, and I'm really glad that I did, because every time I read it, I find some new some new awesome quote. Uh, there's there's a tone to the book that I just enjoy and a cadence, and mm -hmm. you know, I like the tragic aspects of it. I like the hero aspect of it. Uh, I love the, you know, the ongoing murder mysteries that pop up as you mm -hmm. go through the book. And I was looking forward to sequels. Right. So how many times have you read it? Five, six. Wow. Cool. So I think you, you had at some point given me a, like a paper bag full of a bunch of books because I was asking you, what, what do I need to read to be a better nerd? And, um, <laughs> <laughs> and so you had, you had recommended a few things. And, and I remember you gave me a, a bag and it had a couple Coons in there. And I think it had Lightning and Watchers. Right. Um, and that was my first experience with Coons because I had seen him as kind of a horror author and I just did not read that genre at all. Mm -hmm. And so after I started, after I read Lightning and Watchers, I think, at some point I remember I picked it up on audio because I wasn't certain that I was going to like it um, because I didn't know what it was about. I knew he saw dead people. And so to me, that kind of verged over towards horror and I wasn't, wasn't totally sure that I was going to like it. So I got it on tape, I believe, at the Cornelius Public Library. Wow. And um, it, pro probably a note of how much I enjoyed it was that when my lending period expired and I had to take it back. I picked it up on hardcover to finish it. So, and I really liked it as well. Um, and then when it came out, I think it was $1.99 for the Nook a couple yep. years ago and you and I both picked it up and I, I read it. And then I remember we were looking to, as running partners, to all read the same book and talk about it. Because usually what we did was we just, hey, what are you reading? You know, what, anything interesting you've watched on TV or whatever and we, we're talking about. It. But we want to do sort of a Pavement Pounders book club at some point and we decided oh, we yeah. should do odd thomas and i'm like no man i just read that and, and i checked my <laughs> book database which yes nerd um and found out that i hadn't read it this year that particular year and so i actually picked it up and read it again and james read it so. and that's a, yeah that's the point where i read it right so very short history you with, didn't reread it in preparation for this i did not reread it i figured you'd have us covered okay so why don't we go ahead and move on to talking about the book itself i think i mean we're all big fans of it yeah Yes. I like the book, yeah. And your wife read it too, right? Yep. Made her cry. Right. Yeah. 
Did she cry in the beginning or the end? The end. Throughout. She just blubbered the whole time <laughs> she was reading it. Whereas my wife has not read it. Definitely throughout. My wife hasn't read it either. Yeah. So. Not likely to. Yeah. Emily wins at Pavement Bounder reading. Um, probably worth mentioning at this point, there's no way we can avoid spoiling major plot points. Even if we don't spoil the very end, which I think to talk about the film and how successful it was, we're going to have to spoil almost everything. Oh, um, right. And so it is... It's not the same as in the past when we've done short stories where we can tell people, hey, pause this, go read it, come back in 10 minutes, and, right. and we'll talk about it. You know, this is, it's a 400-page book or, or something, and so it's a major undertaking. But I will say, if you listen to this before you read the book, you're, you're going to be missing out on a lot of very pleasing reading um, and, and really cool twists and turns. And, and, um, and some cool yeah. prose. And much as it pains me, I, I, I say, go read the book. The book is better than the podcast. So... Um, which I think is probably always true. So at this point, let's go ahead and talk about it. Talk about the plot. I, I do want to say, uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about the sequels before we transition to the film. So yeah, Dean, Dean Koontz is not known for writing lots of sequels. He did write four or five books in the, the Frankenstein, Frankenstein series. Yeah, five books. But for the most part, everything has been one-offs. There's a book in this, a book in that. Right. It seems like he writes in a, a similar kind of universe, and I think given a, a Dean Koontz book, mm -hmm. we would immediately recognize it out of two or three major features. One, right. churches. there will be yeah, <laughs> well, well, prominent mention of, mention of architecture and churches. Sure. And two, there will be a dog present, and the dog right. will be integral to the story and near and dear to the hearts of the readers. Which is kind of funny because Odd so Thomas. So who's the dog in Odd Thomas? The there, coyote. <laughs> no, there are not uh, dogs, but there's lots of architecture to make yeah. up for. It. No, but in so many of his, I mean, his. So his his dog Trixie, who died in the last couple of years, was such a major for, uh, presence in his life that he almost always had a dog character in books. I mean, Watchers, the you could argue the protagonist of the book is a dog. So yeah, but there have been a whole raft of Odd Thomas books. There was you know Odd Thomas, the seminal book. There was. Forever Odd. Forever Odd, Brother Odd, Odd Hours, Odd Apocalypse, Deeply Odd. Uh, there were two graphic novels, and there was a series of short web episodes. Right. Uh, there was uh, two EPUB shorts. That, that were leading up story. to Deeply Odd, right? Leading up to the bridge, Odd. The bridge between those. So I can say, for my part, my recommendation to people reading the series is to read book one. And that is all. Um, <laughs> because I... I have enjoyed some of the the subsequent books, but I, I think Forever Odd, I kind of liked Brother Odd, I thought was better than Forever Odd, and then it was pretty much all downhill from there. Um, I did feel like, I've started doing them just on audio, because I'm, I'm not putting in the effort to read these anymore. I don't, I don't trust him anymore to write a good Odd Thomas book, and that's a shame. Yeah, and, the elements in the first book that I really liked uh, slowly waned over the rest of them. And if James yeah. sounds really quiet, it's because we don't give him time to read all the rest of the books. Right. The <laughs> <schedule>. <laughs> yeah. Since, as, as we've discussed here, Colin was the last person to read the book, I'm going to count on him to give us a, not a super detailed plot summation, but just sort of in broad strokes, what's the book about? And go yeah, for it. So the book is about Odd Thomas, mm -hmm. and he has the major ability of being able to see dead people and ghosts. And as we go through the book, we find out he has lots of I guess, yeah, lots of other abilities as well. Ancillary gifts. Yes. Uh, he has one that he has called psychic magnetism. If he thinks about someone and starts walking or driving, he will eventually end up where they are. Uh, psychic magnetism also works in reverse. Sometimes they find him. Right. He also has the ability to see these things called bodaks. And they are... Bodocks. 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 <laughs> the movie is wrong. It's yes. not Botox, it's Bodocks. The movie is wrong. Yes, it's Bodock. Auf der Deutsch. Yeah, well, I mean, D-A-C-H at the end, yeah. right? It's Bodoc. Bodoc. Sorry. 
It's a nitpick, and I'm, I'm going to give you all kinds of trouble about all the nitpicks you have, but mine are correct. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Bodoks, Bodoks are, in the book, described as almost like moving shadows. They have no form. They right. have no mass. They slip through cracks and crevices and uh, don't appear to directly interact with people, but they're drawn to scenes of incredible, gory horrific violence right so uh they, they don't really like old folks homes very much but if there's going to be an earthquake at the old folks home where thousands of people die and are crushed and there's there's a heart-rending sorrow you will find them there yeah they seem to be drawn to pain and misery right in but not just little bits right. of it but in massive amounts right uh we're introduced to uh, odds abilities uh, when he sees one of his friends and he sees a, a dead girl, and the dead girl has led him up to his friend, right. and he's given this revelation that his friend killed the young girl. And there's right. a big epic chase scene, mm -hmm. and you're ending up being introduced to lots of um, Pico Mundo. Lots of the residents of Pico, Pico Mundo. Pico Mundo. Yes. Yes. Uh, he eventually uh, subdues the guy. We get to meet the chief of police, mm -hmm. um, who knows about some of Odd's abilities. Right. So right. Odd has been solving murders for a long, long time, that the chief knows about this, has been covering for him because he knows, uh, trusts odd enough to know that he isn't committing them and framing people for them, but right. there's no way in the world he's going to be able to explain to people that, oh yeah, I've, I've got a psychic on staff. Sure, yeah. Right. Uh, Odd's major occupation is he is a short order cook. Right. And he has chosen that life because his life is so complex with the dead people and the psychic magnetism that he really can't handle very much. Uh, he's kind of like Steve Jobs, right? He has five sets of pants and five T-shirts, <laughs> two kinds of the same kinds of shoes. He lives in a very sparse apartment. So just, just, just to bring this around to one of our previous episodes, uh, Seth Brundle was that way in The Fly, where he had, he had a, a closet full of the same outfit, right? right. Yeah. So he didn't have to think about what he was going to wear. And his chosen job is he is a short order cook. He works in a cafe, and he mm -hmm. fries food, and he's very, very good at it. Yes. His hash browns are crispy, and his pancakes are light and fluffy. So he's in there cooking food one day, and this guy walks in, and it says his haircut looks like it's fungus. And so they mm -hmm. call him... Fungus Man. Mm -hmm. Later on, when we learn his real name, he's Fungus Bob. Not in the book, he's not. Not the, You checked this? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, so there's an opening chase scene, and, and it's a cool scene because it introduces his abilities and, like you said, introduces some of the major players. Right. Um, and sort of lets you know how Odd's life can be complicated by his gift. And that's sort of the sci-fi question, like you were saying, and I can't remember if we were recording at that point. Yeah, but... what would your life be like if you could see dead people really? Right. So in the sixth sense, what's that kid's life going to be like 12, 18, 20 years down the line? Mm -hmm. Well, but, and I think Odd kind of sees dead people who want his help or, or want him to do something. And it, the sixth sense is kind of like that, but it usually seems to revolve more around crimes, right? I mean, he sees other dead people who are just... He's not sure why they're lingering, because this is one of the questions, right? This One of the questions in the book is, is why do certain people linger and others not? And some of them want to, right. some of them are lingering because they're seeking justice. Right. And Odd is the person that they seek it from. And like it's a burden to him. Tire store guy. Right. And, and that, yeah, that guy cracks me up. Um, <laughs> He's fun. Yeah. You know, the, oh, we got to save this for the film. Go ahead. Tire okay. store guy. Okay. No, so I, that, that's kind of the opening of the book, right? And then he goes to work. He's a short order cook. Yeah, well, this I'm guy not sure. comes in, orders a phenomenal amount of food, and he not only stands out because of the food that he orders, but because he His is entourage surrounded of by Bodox. Yes. And usually when there's a bad event, there's one or two, but Bob has an entourage of five. Okay. I didn't remember how many it was. But... Yeah, five, seven, huh. some huge amount. Mm -hmm. um, so when he leaves the store, uh, Odd knows he's going to have to go find out about him. Right. 
Yeah, and then so he uses psychic magnetism to follow him, and the events of the book unfold as he tries to find out what is this guy's deal, what is he doing, and everything kind of unfolds from there. And he realizes pretty quickly something really bad is going to happen, um, right. because I guess we, we should roll it forward to the point that he breaks into Fungus Man's house. Right. And he discovers a calendar with a missing page. And the missing page is for, in the movie, it's for the next day. I think it's a couple days in the book, but I can't remember. And so he realizes that, because he finds, he finds like detailed files with information about mass murders, like Serial the Mansons. Murderers, and, yeah. yeah. And, and he finds a file on this guy whose name is Bob Robertson. And all it has in there is the, the missing, missing page, page, the blank calendar page from the calendar. And so he realizes this guy is going to make his name tomorrow. Or whenever the day is, I can't right. remember what, it, what what the timeline is in the book. In the in the movie, it's one day, which makes sense, but I don't remember if it's the same from the book or not. I'm pretty sure it is. Oh, I think, think it is. He stays up all yeah. night. Yeah. No, it's a, yeah, it's the same in book because he does stay up all night. Yeah, and that. so I'll say this about the book. I mean, it's a very brisk read because of the pace of it. It's it's kind of right. relentless that way, which yeah. is interesting. And it spans all but like one of his other books. <laughs> yeah. So we're introduced to other characters, and I'll throw it back over to you. Yeah, well, there's his girlfriend, Stormy, yes. whose real name is Bronwyn. <laughs> uh, they have been in love for years and years and years, mm -hmm. and uh, one of the hallmarks of the relationship is uh, when they were young kids, they went to a carnival, and they went to a fortune-telling gypsy, and they were mm -hmm. the only couple that they saw that got a, a positive one, which said they would be together forever. You are destined to be together forever. Destined to be together right. forever. Right. And we know those are real because big, the movie. Tom Hanks, big. Wow. I had forgotten there was a fortune-telling gypsy mummy <laughs> okay. in there. I'll shut up. Yes. All right, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll move on. Don't oh. shut up. Don't shut up. <laughs> I didn't forget. I know what you're talking about. All right. Stormy, okay. I, yeah, I got that reference. Stormy is forced to wear pink because she works at an ice cream store. Wait, we're way out of sequence. So he goes to the mall first and then follows, follows him home. This is the part where you can mention the sequence because it's completely backwards in the movie. Yeah, I didn't remember <laughs> if, it was, if it was correct in the movie or not. No, it was wrong. Yeah, he goes to a barbecue where we meet several police officers mm -hmm. and right and there's new deputies right and there's new deputies mm -hmm. yeah and uh he mentions the chief that yeah i mean there's some new guy in town i don't know what he's doing i can't find anything about him but he's got you know a whole shrine to serial killers and he's being followed by a lot of bodocs and right. so something bad is going to happen now right. is this this is after he goes to fungus man's house right that's correct, correct. and he discovers lots and lots of bodocs there right, right. A, a whole room full yeah. of them and there's some weird sort of time displacement thing that happens that never comes into any of the future books just to let everybody know you're There's never going to find out what that or the room movie. was about. That's right. Yeah. Or the movie, which I liked. But we'll which you that. liked. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> I thought enough. it was dumb. But uh, yeah. not dumb. Just it's, yeah. it's, it's one of those kind of non sequitur things that you expect an author might follow up in future books and then he doesn't. So yeah. Well, and I think that's one of the issues you have with the follow-on books. It is. Is that there's, there's a lot of loose threads that are never, ever resolved. Yes. So it's kind of like real life, but it's deeply frustrating. Right. I don't want real life in books. No. Um, so yeah, he, he, he gradually sort of uncovers the, the conspiracy and finds that there, there may be more people involved. And at this point, I think maybe we should hold off on spoilers until we talk about the film because we're going to have to talk right. about how things were different. Right. Um, so he has a mentor. His name is little Ozzy. Ozzy right. has a cat named terrible Chester, terrible Chester, terrible Chester, Chester pees yes. on odd at all opportunities. Right. Little Ozzy is not actually little. He's like 600 pounds. His, his butt is estimated at 175. Right. <laughs> Uh, That's one of got, my favorite lines from the book, actually. <laughs> he's got six fingers on one of his hands. Nice. Which is something that stood out to me from the movie. The six-fingered man. Right, exactly. Yep. Uh, and then while he's there visiting him, we learn a couple of things. One is that little Ozzy had a plastic cow that was exploded, and he's in deep right. mourning for that. And the second is that who should show up but Fungus Man. Right. Fungus Man now begins this whole series of following him place to place to place to place to mm -hmm. place. 
uh, after he leaves Little Ozzy's, which is why we have this book. Little Ozzy has encouraged him to write this stuff down, and he wants him to keep the tone light, and so that means that sometimes he's not going to be a completely accurate narrator. Right, which is one of the interesting things for the future books, because he plays with that a bit. Fungus Man follows uh, Odd and Stormy out on a date they have inside of a church, church which yes. is accurately described with all of its architectural right. and layout Sacristy details. and Sacristy. foyer. And, yeah. it's, it's amazing. I, I don't know what uh, Dean Koontz's faith affiliation is, but he seems to really like churches. I mean, they come into so many of his books. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, in excruciating, not excruciating detail, not like Tolkien detail. <laughs> See, got to get a jab in Tolkien every time. Mm-hmm. Um, no, but, but in loving detail, I think you would say. Oh, yeah. yeah. If he isn't an old architect, he has studied it to the point where he can talk about it very, very well. And at least in this one, there's a plausible excuse where uh, Stormy's uncle is the rector there or something. Right. Yeah. So. This is interesting. Is that you, I don't think you have to be in any particular denomination to appreciate the churches, though, because they're yeah, pretty architecturally fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, so the that makes the chief really upset, and it makes Stormy really upset because they think that this guy's following Odd everywhere. Right, because he trashes the church after they flee. He does, and um, so now right. the the chief is trying to find him because now they've got an excuse to arrest him, and then maybe he won't go commit the horrible thing they're afraid of. Right, and uh, Odd drops off Stormy, does not take the gun that he, she offers him. We're heading for a major spoiler here if we continue. Okay, and he goes back to his apartment. Right. Now, like like Seth said, there's a major spoiler happening here. Right. Um, I mean, we don't have to reveal the entire rest of the story, right? So the, what he's trying to do is he's trying to gather more information that will lead him to figure out where this terrible event is going to happen. And he has a friend at the diner who's had a dream, a disturbing Violet. dream. Um, and we hadn't, we hadn't talked about that yet. Right. And so he talks to her a couple times and follows up with her to find out what does she know? And I think he also had a disturbing dream, did he not? He had one about a bunch of what he yeah. thinks are bowling alley employees. Right. Yeah. dream was about the bowling alley employees. Yeah. And so this is something that's that's adapted in the film. Yeah. Um, and so he's he's just trying to figure out where is this going to happen, and he's he's trying to avert it by whatever way he can. Um, and also he's trying. You know, Stormy knows he's in danger, and and so and she doesn't want him to get killed because they, 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 they have plans to get married sometime in the future and that's that's one of the other tensions that's going on right where he's he wants to just marry and be happy and yet he's got this gift and has to feels like he has to intervene yes. and, and the psychic magnetism makes it makes it happen right the reverse magnetism the bad guys are drawn to him as well right uh, Odd has a couple more encounters with dead people does he? and helps oh, one he person does, yes. yep. you know uh, actually one of the ghosts actually helps him uh, one of the things we forgot to mention is one of the ghosts that he has with him on a constant basis is the ghost of Elvis. Yes. yes. For, for whatever reason. For whatever reason. <laughs> Elvis just hangs out. Uh, and he mentioned that throughout the book, though, Elvis seems particularly sad and he's trying to comfort. Uh, right. Odd. Elvis's mood changes a bit. And you you were saying, we, Colin and I were talking about this earlier, and, and that because I don't like, I, I'm just going to put my cards on the table here. I don't like Elvis in the books. I don't like his companion ghost character in the books. I have a hard time explaining why Elvis would be there. I can accept him for the one book, I guess. I think it kind of sucks, but on the other hand, it sort of works because there's the the, the other half right. of of Elvis is Terry, his boss at the diner, who knows everything about Elvis. Yes. Right. right. Um, but yeah, it's just it's a weird a weird choice to me that, that it's kind of it's just like on the edge of okay, you you're off the rails now, Coons. Uh, Cut all of <laughs> all references to Elvis, but you know he's the author and and I like him so. Yeah. 
I, I let him get away with it. But in, in the future books, I mean, it, okay, spoiler alert. So in future books, Elvis finally does move on at some point. And then, then, mm-hmm. then he gets Frank Sinatra. Then Frank Sinatra. And then Nikola Tesla. And, and a dog. Ooh, Tesla. Boo. I forgot about Boo. And Boo the I'm okay dog. with Boo. Um, <laughs> just because dogs. Um, dogs. Right. And then Alfred Hitchcock, which don't say anything about Alfred, Alfred Hitchcock. Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah. Um, yeah, there'd be a spoiler there. But oh, one thing we didn't mention was that the ghosts don't talk. The ghosts don't talk. He and doesn't so know why. Th- they can right. communicate with him. And, and at the beginning when he's confronting Harlow, who has killed this, this girl in the town, Odd gets some kind of clairvoyant information about what had happened. You know, he, he gets he gets insight into the crime. Yeah, like telepathic, though, the telepathic yeah. text message or something. Yeah. And so it's, it's another one of his abilities. It's not, not well defined, but it's definitely there. I don't know. I thought I thought Elvis being in there was interesting just because of Terry's obsession with Elvis. Right. And, and it was it was a good counterpoint to her obsession because you got you got kind of odd stuck in the middle between Elvis the ghost and Terry's obsession. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, Terry's going on and on about Elvis. It's like right. odd could easily go, I, I know Elvis, you know. I yeah, yeah, spent yeah. tons of time with Well, his ghost well no, no, anyway. she knows. Then Terry's one of the people in the know about odd. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh. So, but right. like I said, but the the yeah. the role that Elvis fills in this book is sort of foreshadowing, and you can see him sure. early in the book. He's sort of commiserating with Odd and looking at him with sympathy, and and it builds that tension where where you're like, oh, something bad is yeah. going to happen. You're afraid something bad is going to happen right. to Odd. Yeah, of co- of course, as in all hero narratives, there will be a confrontation between Luke and Vader. I mean, between the good guy and the bad guy, and you know, <laughs> something will happen. Um, and we don't have to spoil everything that happened there. Though I think in discussing the movie, we're probably going to give away the whole farm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, whatever, Wh- whatever you want to talk about, go for it. Well, it, so in the book, you get introduced to his boss, his neighbor, who allows her to borrow his car. There's Stormy. There's the chief. There's the chief's wife, Carla. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Viola. There's Viola and her daughters. Mm-hmm. Little Ozzy. Little Ozzy. <laughs> horrible Chester. Terrible Chester. Terrible Chester. <laughs> terrible Chester yes. He's horrible. Yeah. He's terrible. He's urinating. He's, he's my favorite character. He's a book. cat. Calling him horrible is redundant. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there are the people at the tire store that know that Odd would like to work there because right. when he gets tired of being a short order cook, he's going to move up in the world to tires. Mm-hmm. And when Stormy says they might want to get married someday, he says, you know, for you, I'll make the ultimate sacrifice. I will become a shoe salesman. Right. Oh, yeah. thanks a lot, Oddie. Why is that? Yeah. Well, you know. You you have one or two cars per family, and you, you got ten feet. Sometimes, but you got ten feet <laughs> and a fun family of five. That's right. Um, yeah, that's a kind of a cute discussion. Yeah, so. you meet uh, uh, Odd's mom and dad, mm-hmm. and it gives you a little picture as to why he is the way he is, and the decisions right. he makes, and you know why doesn't he like guns? Well, mm-hmm. you learn why. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and that kind of stuff we can we can leave for a reader to discover because what we're gonna say is that there may be people out there who never read the book and they watch the movie. And we're going to emphasize there's a lot in the book to reward reading it. Yeah, it's a very rich story. Yeah. You know, nice and, and thick and chewy mm. and enjoyable like Tolkien. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not reading Tolkien like every other year. Uh, like my sister reads reads on Thomas every year. And, wow. Uh, and uh, so... And Is that Megan I would say it's nothing yeah, like Megan. Tolkien. Megan. So, and I, I, I have a couple of quotes from her <laughs> I want to I talk about later. But. Okay. Okay. Wow. Uh, we done Just talk talking about, about the story made me think of how useless the movie was quotes <laughs> couple Jeez. quotes couple quotes okay Colin is going to now hit us with a couple quotes talking about Rosalia Sanchez who is his neighbor he lives above Rosalia's garage mm-hmm. uh, at 63 having added a few pounds having acquired the seams and crinkles of seasoning experience she possessed the deeper beauty of the beautified the sweet humility and the tenderness that time can teach the appealing glow of care and character that in their last years on this earth no doubt marked the faces of those who were later canonized as saints nice 
Beatified, by the way. Beatified. <laughs> I wouldn't be me if I didn't beatified. try that. No. that. That's that's the first step before <laughs> canonization. So just kind of circling back around, uh, I mean, obviously, I know, Colin, you have great affection for the book, and, and I do as well. Yeah. And it, it's it, to me, it's it's tremendously well-written. It's a great mystery. Um, it has that sort of snappy Kuntzian dialogue that you get in, in a number of his books. Yes. Um, the, the banter is quite thick. Um, and this is something that we'll have to talk about. Does that kind of banter that works so well in a book translate to the screen? And with a sample size of one, I can say no. Uh, but it's not a statistically significant sample. But to me, trying to lift his dialogue straight out of the book and put it in actors' mouths, it didn't work. And that may have been the fault of the actors. It may have been just translating from the, the written medium into film that it's just too too precious. It doesn't doesn't it works on the page because of the way you're invested in it. I don't know, but I mean, am I wrong that it didn't work on the screen? No, it did not work. Okay. You know, that, that thick chewiness. Mm -hmm. I, I hope to have pieces of that. And there was. There was. But it was like, you know, looking at this great piece of cake and saying, oh, look at the frosting on there and realizing it's the horrible skanky stuff you get from supermarkets <laughs> instead of real <laughs> right. frosting. Right. Um, Homemade buttercream versus like whatever that stuff is that you pop the top off of. With yeah, it's cake. got like Crisco in it. Yeah. Who knows what? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not good. Yeah. Well, there was, there was the one part I mentioned to you earlier that, I did like that they tried to do that in the movie with was when he was talking why he was grilling. He was talking to Viola's daughters at the bar of the to the cook. Right. Yeah. No. And okay. And, so and he, he was explaining to them all the different the lingo they have in the sure. cafe and basically yeah. doing what they did for the narrative in the book. Right. In the okay. movie, he tried it that way, and I thought it was kind of cool. So at this point, I and it may have worked a little bit that way. But let's let's transition from talking about the book to talking a little bit about the, about the movie. Okay. And so one thing that I had done, th this was a movie we did not all watch together. And the reason that I didn't want us to watch it together, because we have for most of the films that we've watched, we've we've been in the same room. But right. I thought, in this case, it, there was a significant possibility that the movie would suck sort of bad. And you I thought I was going to break your television set. That's what you thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought uh, Colin was going to Hulk out uh, during the movie. No, but but what I didn't want to have happen. So, like, when we watched Planet of the Apes, right? We, we watched the first movie and we kind of all joked around a little bit about it. When we got to the second one, and there just isn't much movie, the, the 2001 remake. When we got to that, and, and the movie was not very good. And, right. you know, it got to where we were sort of mocking it. <laughs> I wanted to be slightly more objective um, this time because I didn't, I didn't like, if one of us strongly disliked it, I didn't want it to color the rest of our opinions of it, Colin. Um, <laughs> Thank you. So, <laughs> um, but, uh, no, I, and I didn't want, I also didn't want it to take like four hours to watch the movie because we have, kept having to pause and talk Colin down, uh, get him off suicide watch. So um, Put down the baseball bat. Like, Colin, you can come in here, but you can't have any shoelaces. <laughs> Uh, nothing, nothing sharp. Um, I'm not going to kill myself over a movie, but as <laughs> right. I mentioned, your television set could have been significantly at risk. Sure. So, so what I what I had done was I wanted I wanted these guys to make predictions, what they expected of the film. So either positive or negative, things they expected to see, things they expected not to see, and then to also capture what their biggest fear about the movie was before any of us watched it. Um, so for Colin, here we had his predictions. One, there will be bodots. Way to Go out on a limb there. <laughs> uh, two, Odd will not meet the dead prostitute in the desert, which we didn't talk about, but it is a scene that's in the in the book. And yes, true on on the prediction. And three, dead people will be transparent or will look dead, which kind not true. of um, there there were elements to it, but that to me that prediction there were 
it went back and forth in the book too because one time when he saw penny callisto she looked fine and then right. she also her wounds then were revealed right. and and so when we see was she transparent in the book the ghost i mean no 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 oh, okay no but I, it was it was not so. a bad prediction actually because it was, well we have to make them look ghosty um, yeah, I thought right. they would be grayed out or transparent or, you know, oh, floaty hair okay. like they're in a windstorm or right. something else. Yeah, the and they really weren't. It was really I thought it was well done that particular part. Sure. Mm. And the only thing I think in the in the film that was sort of a a nod to that direction, you know, making them ghosty was yes. them walking through walls and stuff, which I don't remember if the book ever mentions any of them. It mentions them moving, but just sort of being present rather than walking through walls. Right. When um, Penny's leading odd out to go meet harlow you know he has to duck and dodge and she's just walking through stuff oh, left okay. and right see, see i'm glad right. that you read the book yeah. recently because i didn't remember if, yeah. if it was but not way. all the ghosts act that way you know funky bob doesn't right okay so um your biggest fear there you had two of them and one of them is major major spoiler so i'm not going to read that one but right. the other one was terrible chester and little ozzy won't be in the movie and that was effectively true that was effectively true um, I mean, Pat Nozzle was there, and he delivered some really nice patter. If, if they'd put him in a fat soup or CGI'd him up another, like, three times <laughs> right. his normal size Use a little and added him a sixth hand and let him be the movie sixth novelist, hand. sixth <laughs> finger. Well, you can tell how upset I am. Yes. Uh, Give him a sixth finger and let him be the uh, the mentor to Odd that he was instead of a guy that delivers a heart. Yeah. I think it, it could have worked. Sure. Um, so we'll get back to that when we kind of talk about gripes. Or should we just go over these now? No, no, let's, yeah. Okay. I think so, we have enough mutual gripes that we'll be talking for right. a while. Okay. So James's uh, stuff was uh, Elvis's ghost will not be in the movie. Which right. True. Bodox would be lame. That was one of yours, I guess. Yeah. So yeah. W w one thing, you know, well, some I, of these suppositions were based on the fact that we had seen the trailer. And, right. And when we initially saw the trailer, when I sent it to you guys, I thought it was sort of like a pre-production trailer. And so I looked at the Bodox and went, well, okay, that's not how they're going to look. So that, that's, final that's what I thought too. I and thought the same thing, and I had thought you were wrong. I, I had thought in my mind that they would not be on screen the way that I imagined them in my mind, right. and I was correct. And yeah, in the movie's defense, yeah. that's very common when you when you're it's translating true. something to the screen right. that that yeah. you you cannot perfectly represent what someone saw in their mind no. or what ev what all readers saw. Right. Right. Um, otherwise, that would be weird. But that would be. Uh, and then hey, another spoiler. Yeah, uh, don't mention that one. Yes, and your biggest fear is that the movie would suck. So, <laughs> um, would totally suck. So, right, would and, totally suck. Right, and we'll talk about uh, what you're, where you come down on that uh, eventually. So, my predictions were we won't see Elvis except for the cardboard cutout of him, which was in the trailer. Right. Um, which was true. Yes. And, and I approve. Um, no weird time travel in the Bodoc room in Bob Robertson's house. Because I thought that that remember in the book he goes into this room and then he pops to right. in the future he and then in the past the or, or something right. and it's it's a strange scene that I have no use for and and is never followed up in future books and so I thought there's no way they're <laughs> going to put this in here it was done and we'll talk about how they did that limited background on Odd and his parents why he doesn't like guns this is what I thought I thought they're not going to explain. Or maybe even express that Odd doesn't like guns. They showed some hesitancy from him when he went to pick up a gun, but yeah. they never—he never said it out loud that he doesn't no. like guns. He never got offered a gun either, right? In the yeah. Movie. Um, and my biggest fear would be that the, no, oh, my biggest non-spoiler <laughs> fear was that the Bodox would be lame. And my biggest spoilery one is the same one that you, you guys had the same spoiler. Yeah. Um, for the end of the book. Right. That something would be changed in the. Mm-hmm. Denouement. Yes. Of the book. So, 
And I, you know, I think for the most part, we were in general right. right. You, you cannot adapt without making multiple movies that one book into a, into something that would fit on a television on a, on a movie screen. Right. It simply well, wouldn't work. So let's let's go in broad strokes. What did we think of the movie? And uh, I'll go first. You go first. So, um, I'll just I like Colin yeah, goes last. Yeah, I was, we're gonna save <laughs> we're gonna save Colin for the end, um, because then he's gonna run out of his voice and uh, right. and we'll be done. No. So um, I enjoyed the film. Uh, I didn't feel that it was a terrible adaptation. Actually, I felt it was a pretty good adaptation of the book, but mm -hmm. not a great movie. And this is where you can run into problems where you have a book that's really, really good. And that's, yeah. that's my opinion of this book is that it's, it's tremendously good book. I mean, it's kind of creeped up my, my list of like favorites um, because it, it's a book I've read more than twice. And that to me in my own personal pantheon of books, if I've read something more than twice, it's good. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like the film is serviceable and, and, and the best thing I can say about it is it may drive someone to read the book, which would be a good thing. So that's kind of my, impression of it I've, I've watched it twice now um okay and i didn't i didn't hate it so when go. you watched it that second time th did it change your opinion of it because i only watched it the once i do have some problems with it and i'll, I'll talk we'll get into more specifics when we after we've all kind of given general our general opinions so james okay well my general opinion is i i thought the movie is good to okay Okay. I liked it. Uh, coming out of it, I liked it. So you, you watched it with your wife, who had yeah. also read the book. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and she liked it, too. I think she okay. may have liked it more than I did. So I didn't, <laughs> I didn't mention that, that I watched it with my wife as well, mm -hmm. and she has never read the book. And, and she, she got it. She thought there was some, she liked Anton Yelchin as, as odd. Um, didn't feel like there was much chemistry between him and Stormy and didn't like mm -hmm. Stormy at all. Um, oh, she's dead on. And, and, and thought, it was yeah. a, thought it was a fairly I, decent sort of action fantasy thing. Right. So I thought it was an okay movie, um, okay to good movie, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, I I also did not like the character or the act actress they picked for mm -hmm. uh, Stormy. I again, I pictured Stormy a little bit different in my mind. Right, more kind of like well, starker features, more rougher, maybe like a more gothy-ish. I remember looking. when we first when we saw the trailer, Colin yeah. Colin commented. Stormy doesn't look nearly badass. Enough. No, yeah, she's a bit too soft. <laughs> yeah, looking. she was she was yeah. small. She was right. petite. Yeah, I pictured her as more as less hot you know and more sort of mm -hmm. a, a face with character you know pretty but but also with an edge right. to her yeah um and, and, and not somebody edgy. who's just sort yeah. of delicate and so it wasn't very edgy yeah. in the movie like yeah that. but I, I i appreciate the adaptation for that the fact that they kind of streamlined the plot they got all the i felt like they got most of the major things in there sure yeah they they it was a very streamlined plot adaptation yeah so it wasn't completely horrible mm -hmm. they didn't totally mess up a whole lot of stuff Right. As Colin's there, there were coming a couple, at me with couple, his fists. Yeah, a couple of additions <laughs> to it, and and some obviously. Um, but how, how long is this movie? It's like I think an it's hour one, and a half, right? One thirty-two. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, just so. barely over an hour and a half. And oh, wait, one hundred and thirty-two or ninety-three minutes? I believe it's ninety-two minutes. Okay. Okay. So right. an hour, an hour and a half ish. Yeah. Um, and that's a brisk movie. Um, do I stop there? It's Colin's turn now. Yeah. Yeah. I think. I think. <laughs> okay. Now at this point, okay. Hulk. So I got lots of points. <laughs> Hulk smash. So I'm gonna disappoint you. <laughs> okay. Because uh, I I knew this would happen, right? The the big debate right. we have every time, at least between me and you guys, is I think that and and I like faithful adaptations of movies. Yes. So do I. Yeah. And sometimes I think you can make good movies based on premises, like mm -hmm. we've talked about in the past on other movie book combinations. Mm -hmm. um, this book went to a this movie went to a lot of care. To put in a lot of the things that were important from the book into the movie. Yes. Right. The, I think the things that lost, though, were the things that weren't necessarily plot-driven or character-driven. 
there's there's a different pace and a tempo to the book. There's some some thoughtfulness and some introspection and some fear and some uh, right. depth of character. And I love the snappy pattern in the book. And I, I think a different actor could have pulled it off because Bronwyn is there and she can do that. Patton Oswalt does it. Uh, the chief certainly does it. Uh, his wife and the chief do it together when they're getting all these calls from Odd throughout the middle of the night. <laughs> that was my favorite part of the movie. Actually. Yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, yeah, was, like was chief Porter trying <laughs> to get lucky. That's right. Um, um, uh, and yet there were a couple of little things that I apparently held very dear to my heart. I, Elvis, I think he should have been in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like I liked had... that the cardboard cutout was there. That, to me, was enough of a nod to it. Yeah. I, someone who isn't invested in it because I don't really like it. But yeah. And if they'd had a cat pee on his shoe, I was like, oh, that, that's terrible. Chester, you wanted him to die at 8 in the morning. That, that's, I that's wanted him to die at 8 in the morning. That is a reference to our last episode. Uh, I, I wanted, I wanted uh, our bad guys to have different tattoos. I did not remember that any of the bad guys had different tattoos from the book, so that didn't bother me at all. Yep. Um, what do you mean by different tattoos? All the bad guys had different tattoos. Well, I know the cop. The well, the the cop that rolled up into the bowling alley had POD on his arm, but I remember in the in the book also, Fungus Man had POD on him, right? I think he had FOL, but I would oh, have to it? check that to okay. be sure. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, this this is all right. I'm gonna say that is kind of nitpicky. That uh, is kind of nitpicky. An expedient for the film. It makes it easy for the viewer to connect. Two things. Although then the yes. movie connected them explicitly right. anyway. Yes. But it but it required no no time on a page in a book to explain True. it. And in a movie, you right. didn't really have that. You would have had to have t- um, odd work that out for himself. Right. And I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, that's the kind of thing that it would. It's maybe a nice to have, but I don't feel like that's a unnecessary right. thing. But one thing I, I mm-hmm. will agree with you, and now we're sort of transitioning to regular old discussion. Sure. Um, before I do that, um, so overall impression. So I, I was disappointed in the movie. If you just saw the movie, I think you could enjoy it. Mm-hmm. But having read the book and then seeing the result, mm-hmm. I was left wanting. Right. And this is what I said to Colin when, when I when I rolled up his house the other day. I, right. I said, <laughs> you know, you are too close to this book <laughs> to, to truly give the movie a fair shake. And you're more vulnerable to that than James and I are. Anyway. Oh, definitely. Right. Um, just because you, you, you tend to, to grasp, to, to hold on to that. And they're like, don't ruin my book. Um, right. And then you have the author who says, they didn't ruin my book. My book is still completely intact. Yes, it is. <laughs> but, um, and okay. apparently he liked this this uh, screenplay so much that he was floored, literally floored I when did, he read I, it. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I'm curious if Dean Koontz himself wrote that post on his website. Because there were a few things where I thought, no, 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 right. no, no, no. He's just wrong about that. Because um, he loved some of the performances. And, and I thought, no, no. Quick question for Colin. Then. Sure. So would you say that you appreciate the fact that maybe short stories make better premises for movies than novels i think you've got more room for play in a short story than a novel and you wouldn't feel so attached to a short story as you would a novel perhaps i, I, I want i still want to see eight o'clock in the morning i still want to see a faithful <laughs> adaptation of farewell to the master um so colin um i will agree with you and i think this is sort of what you were implying that the tone of the movie wasn't right Correct. Based on what the book was. Too, too frantic, too action-y. Right. And the book, he tries to keep it light. And you have that banter and you have that interaction with him and Stormy. And it's sort of saccharine sweet in, in places. But it works to offset the dark part of the story. And yes. there's the other part that you don't really get in the film that Odd has that history. He has that. There's a reason he's sort of broken. Yeah. And, and that has made him what he is. And Stormy has a history that where she's sort of broken. And there's that dynamic in their relationship with where they're celibate, essentially. And right. they're, they're planning on getting married. Well, Odd, Odd is a little more willing to uh, not wait for marriage. Um, 
and which makes sense because he's the dude. But um, and Stormy is quite willing, <laughs> right? And 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 there's there's that conflict between them about that a few times, and there's some very sweet interactions with them when when they have they have an argument, and Odd just feels like such an idiot. But yeah, I felt like the tone of the movie was a little uneven, and one of the things that Dean Kuhn said he liked was the score, and I. I cannot disagree more. Um, I liked the the orchestral parts mm-hmm. of it, the parts that were sort of the creepy music, but then there was that cheery guitar riff thing that kept happening, and it kept happening in places where I thought, wait, but something bad just happened, you know? And and you can't just transition that way. And I think it works in print to try and keep it light, but in the movie, I think they should have just gone for a darker tone. I think, yeah, I think they could have offset the darker tone the same way they did in the book, which is Anton Yelchin's monologue. And his patter. Sure. That's and that's what offsets it. That I, the guy picking in the nose with his off arm. And... So, yeah, yeah. I liked Anton Yelchin. I mean, I, I liked the look of him. I liked I liked the way he played Odd. Um, I didn't care for Stormy. And so, and, the and since the chemistry between, of... I don't, I, what was his name again for the actor? Anton Yelchin? And the actress. Uh, don't something. Remember. At any rate, the chemistry between those two, I don't. Like I'm gonna agree with you on this saying that it wasn't very good. Yeah, and I don't think it would have worked as good to offset the darker tones of the movie if they had tried Even to go that been? route. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I'm not and like Colin and I were like talking they did about in the book. The, the, the way they had the banter in the book between the two mm-hmm. would it there, would not have worked in the movie with those two actors. There was there was one scene in the movie that I felt like the banter worked um, when they were up in the belfry. Having having their picnic, really? and he was talking about shoes. That yeah. that was I the part. That scene was horrible. Really? So I yeah. th- that was the one where Not I'm to like, mention, okay. Well, the church was horrible, and the green screen was horrible. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> and the belfry <laughs> itself was absolutely terrible. It, it wasn't like what it I all. pictured. I pictured it larger and grander. Um, yes. Yeah. But and the scene the scene was very compressed, obviously, as the whole movie was. Right. It needed to be. Um, but the the banter between them there, I actually sort of appreciated. But yeah, when when the heart of a book is is this couple, and and their their story, if you can't establish that in a movie, right. it's really hard to make a great film out of it. And so since Odd was the main character and I liked Anton Yelchin, it worked ish, but it, like there's so much so much it could have been so much better. And we Colin and I were talking about this on the way over here, where I feel like you can't have a great movie if you have if your two leads are, don't quite work together. Right. And for it to be a good movie, you have yeah. to have you have to have that there. It elevates the material, right. and I didn't feel like they elevated the material at all. Yeah. So now, like in the book, there's all this internal monologue about how attractive she is and how right. beautiful she is and how much he wants to be with her, uh, romantically, sexually, right. j- yeah. just for fun and, and giggles and stuff. Right. And, and, and she is a beautiful across. girl in in the, in the movie. I mean, she's oh, yeah. attractive enough. Um, but but yeah, the 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 way he worships her. And, and the way she worships him, it, they say it. And actually, I have a quote here from, a, I think it was an io9 article that I wanted to say. If you start a drinking game where you swig every time this movie tries to impress you with what a cute couple Odd and Stormy are, you'll be drunk half an hour in. Which, honestly, is probably the best way to watch this film. Oh my goodness. That's <laughs> painful. And and that's, I, I that's agreed. Awesome. Because what you had was these little snap cuts of relationship. And those were supposed to build to yeah. the story that we had in the in the book, and that we just, yeah. I just couldn't buy it. I did. I did yeah. not think the little like the guy was saying there, and your quote you just said that the, it didn't work between those two. I didn't. Yeah. I found it corny. Yeah. Now the chemistry that I thought useful. did work was between uh, Anton Yelchin and Willem Dafoe, and that was right. one of the other crucial things to get right. And I felt like that did. That's work. because Willem Dafoe is awesome. Willem Dafoe is awesome. Yes. Yeah. And and like I said, I love those right. little bits where. 
you know, he's it's date night for Chief Chief Porter until odd calls. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, they're they're like in bed together at one right. point, <laughs> taking taking phone calls. And so I and I liked the interaction with his wife there, mm -hmm. um, and that was that was cool. There were things the movie did well too. I mean, we don't want to just like completely bash it. Okay. Uh, I love. Okay, I'm going to say this. You can choose to cut it out or not. Okay. I love the reveal of uh, Carla and Chief Porter. And then he walks over to the front door and you hear bang, bang, bang. I love that being in the movie rather than described via dialogue. Sure. Right. And so yes. Odd stops calling. They finally have a chance to be together and the front door rings. Right, right, right. <laughs> and you know, Odd, if this is you, we're going to have words. Right, we're going to have yeah. words. And, and words are had, but they're not with Odd. Yes. Right. Yeah. I love the fact that there were lots of nods to the book in there. He, they actually went out to the temple. Uh, they talked about right, chocolate. Which was a little different than, I, I didn't remember it having been a prison. Was it a prison in the book? I don't think I so. I thought it was a bunch of no. shacks, and there was yeah. like it was like a whorehouse at one time, and then right. yeah, um, and then a church. a church. There was also the elephant chair. In the I was bummed about that actually. It's one of those little things where at the beginning, when with the confrontation with Harlow, where he Chief Porter doesn't break the elephant chair. Right, right. Um, and I was I was hoping because because <laughs> well, that's well, one of my the favorite. Line. Not quite large enough to have right. broken that elephant yeah, yeah. chair. <laughs> but I, I like that in the book. Where that could have been broken in the fight. Yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> coconut cherry chocolate chunk. And why that's important, and how the order that you you need to say it in. Um, and then I was really disappointed by other things like Bodocs have masks. So if you if they're on your car and you shake your car, apparently you can knock one off. Oh right. Yeah. I thought we were talking about things you liked about the movie. I think we got through most of it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that um, was over a long yeah, time. Yeah. So ago. my 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 main gripe is the Bodocs. I they they yeah. looked like half baked special effects to me. Um, I think you you've read um. Like the Black Cauldron, the, the Lloyd Alexander, the Pridane Chronicles, right? Yes. And you remember the Cauldron Born, one of the terrifying things about them is their silence. Yeah. Because um, they're essentially zombies, but they're completely silent. And that's what I wanted from the Bodocs, because that's kind of the way they're described, is they're these inky things that move in strange ways, and they don't make any noise, and they don't have fangs, you know? And, and so right. there, there were parts where... So at the end when he's in the mall and they yeah. all come crawling in like they didn't crustaceans, yes. I was okay with that. But I didn't, yeah, I didn't, didn't really flow like... like... Like Colin was saying, shadows. They did not flow like shadows. They crawled yeah. like friggin' insects. Sure. And I, was like, mm. and I thought too much yeah. was made of the don't look at them. Yeah, this whole right. idea that, you know, he understands that they killed the little boy that said, oh, those are Bodocs. Except right. it wasn't little boy, it was Mexican teenager. age. I actually like right. that because you're not going to kill off a little English boy in a movie. Why not? It, <laughs> you, it's a PG thirteen movie, right? It's not. It's not a Stephen King. It's not Pet Cemetery or, or uh, Maximum well, maybe Overdrive. It you know, we're and, talking about a Dean Koontz book. Yeah, I know, but <laughs> I, I think in, in order to well think about it, there's no gruesome death in the movie, right? There's people who get shot up, but you, it's not very graphic. Mm, there's somebody right. who gets mauled by dogs, and you don't see anything, right? right. And so I don't think you were going to ever run over a little English boy. So I liked the way that was lightened. That perhaps. Was, Maybe Lighten, and and yeah. I liked I liked that scene where 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 the guys like I call him Bodox I, yeah I, I never like yeah I never tell my family about it because then I'd be picking winning lottery numbers you can pick winning lottery numbers <laughs> no stand topic <laughs> I, I like I like that scene but um, and I guess it puts to the rest of the question whether or not the Bodox know right and do think about because you know the Bodox jumps into the guy possesses him and has him drive the drive over right. him in the truck right yeah and. So that, to me, is the major slip-up. Other, other than the chemistry thing, which isn't a fault of 
necessarily the filmmakers. I mean, it's a fault. It's a bad thing in casting. Um, yeah. And sometimes, you know, you throw two people together and it just, it, it doesn't work. Doesn't and, work. and sometimes it doesn't matter. I mean, like in the Thor movie, you know, Natalie Portman and Chris Helmsworth, no chemistry. It doesn't matter. Um, whereas like in <laughs> Cap- new Captain America movie, you have, you have Chris Evans and um, Scarlett Johansson who work really well together. Yeah. So, but are interested in one another. Right. Yeah. That was the interesting thing. But, um, sorry. Off topic. Stay on target. Um, <laughs> So yeah, that was the. So let me let me look at the uh, list of things that I disliked. Uh, yeah, Bodox kind of sucked. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, okay, this is a minor minor gripe, but in that scene, it's I think it's a good scene when Odd is in the diner and he's he's explaining the diner lingo. I kind of right. like that, and it was a very compressed. Thing I like the way of, they did it though with the two little girls. I thought with it was the two little girls, clever. I like yeah, and yeah. I liked that even with the CG pancakes. Yeah, I don't right. like the CG pancakes. <laughs> yeah, I did, so the CG pancakes, I was willing to give a pass, but the CG cucumber. Yeah. Not, not. Did you notice too, though? To let go. So, the whole movie, the whole Pico Mundo in, in general, mm-hmm. did not seem as shabby as I thought it was going to be. I just picture sure. my mind of there a kind of shabbier looking town. I, I than what it appeared, what it appeared in the movie. I think in the book he spends some time in the shabbier parts of town, and okay. you don't really see that except when he goes to Fungus Man's right. house. Because right? I pictured like the that they did the pan across the city and had the Pico Mundo sign. I thought that was going to be a little more rundown than it was. Hmm. And then uh, the diner looked a lot better than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be more. Yeah, of a I thought it was going to be more of a dive. Dive. Yeah, diner it, it looked it like it was in looked, like GGI Fridays or something. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. Looked more big chain ish. Um, anyway. Yeah, I mentioned the music that that I, the whimsical music didn't work for me. The darker music I appreciated. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked the. Um, what was that? The black room. I can't remember. I don't even remember if it has a name in the book, but I liked the way they implemented that with the frozen thing where he walked yeah. into that strange room in, oh, yeah. in Fungus Man's house and then it disappeared. Um, where he, you know, I found a gateway to hell sort of thing. And that, that's where he begins to uncover what's going on. Right. Um, the computer and the files. And... Yeah. Um, I, it's nitpicky, but Fungus Bob to me, I, I kept thinking <laughs> SpongeBob. <laughs> <laughs> and and I liked Fungus Man, and and this is one thing that I love about the book is Fungus Man is such a good antagonist, right? Um, just and and it's sort of ironic, but not Fungus but, Bob. Yeah, yeah. But, and I won't follow up why it's ironic, but um, but I love him as an antagonist, and partially it's because I used to work with a guy who reminded me of Fungus Man, just because it describes him having this sort of strange grin on his face. Like, yeah, like you weren't sure right. what was going on between his ears, and this guy was totally that way. He well, doesn't work there anymore. And I don't know if it was direction, but when the actor is on screen and he walks, he's walking quickly. He looks he like looks he's like falling he's got, forward every every yeah, step. It's like yes. he's got wet diapers on or something. His <laughs> legs are spread, fall apart, and he's like trying to be like you know the Captain Crunch. <laughs> yes, walk. I'm a scary person. <laughs> and it's just not working. Yeah, I keep no. on thinking, you know, go to the bathroom and tell your mom and dad to change you or something. I I don't know. I I was okay with that. He was a little quirky. Um, Right. Um, so, uh, James had mentioned that he's named Fungus Bob before they find out what his right. name is. And and oh, and so the did second you notice that? In the, did you notice that in the movie? Call no. Him. So by the time they revealed him in the movie in the in the diner, mm-hmm. I'm thinking, where's Rosalia? Why isn't she invisible today? Right. Her right. name is on the mailbox. Yeah, I mean, sure. there were so many things. I was like. Yeah, I was, obviously didn't catch everything. They had yeah. a little, they had a little editing faux pas in the, in the, in the, the when he was in the room investigating. Basically. Right, and he's talking to Stormy on the phone, and she calls him Fungus Bob before he discovers that his name is Bob Robertson. Right, and and <laughs> so that's that's definitely an edit. And and then the the conversation continues with him and her at mm-hmm. the at the ice cream shop, and I think it, they just got their 
their cuts mixed up yeah, or they something. Cuts mixed up um, something. Yeah, but filmed out of order. Yeah, yeah, and I'm yeah, that's the kind of thing that happens. And I, I mean, I'd be willing to forgive it in a superior film, um, but yeah, right. Um, there's you, you there's can... a lot of those kind of ancillary characters, like you said, like Rosalia and like Terry, mm -hmm. um, and even Ozzy to a certain extent, Ozzy. who are very important Chester. in the book, but but <laughs> just. You were gonna have to make choices who you're gonna keep, what who you were gonna dump, and yeah. And so I totally understand what they did. I was a little surprised that Ozzy made an appearance at all. He didn't need to be in there. He did for, I mean, they made him important, right? They made they made the medallion important. Yeah. But, but yeah, they didn't need to have him in there to to have it work. He could have been just removed entirely. And so one of my sort of gripes is, well, don't put him in there if you're not gonna have him be what he could be. Yeah, he should have been, there should have been a, a two-minute intro at the beginning of the movie where Ozzy is telling Odd, listen, you need to write this down. You've, you've given up your writing. In order for you to work through this, you're going to have to do it. Start writing. And mm. Odd should have responded with something like, you know, when a man with a 175-pound butt tells you to write something, you listen to what he says. Right. And he's just, cat yeah. just peed on me again. I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure that would have translated to film well. but um, Maybe not. But I'll let, you know, you're allowed did, to be if wrong. If they did do that, it <laughs> might have been more. It might have been. Made, it might have made better for a, a narrative translation in the movie. Right, and I mean, it would have foreshadowed that kind of stuff was going to happen. Third right? person talking, yeah. right? Yeah. If he had done what you just said, which would have been kind of cool. Um. So the other thing that you obviously miss, and I mentioned it earlier, is is that background. You know what what happened with Odd. You have that one strange scene about his mother trying to cut his dad with the and right. and the yeah. information <laughs> that he that she had similar power to Odd, which I don't know if is never explicitly stated in the book in any way. I no, it's not. Um, and well, and the interaction with Odd and his mother is tremendously important in the book. Yeah. Well, and with his father. Right. And with his father. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Who's trying the, to sell pieces of the moon? Right. And they mentioned that, and so right. I was kind of okay <laughs> with that, but. Um, yeah, and this is where we'll get to. I want to before we quit. I want. I want to say like, what what do we think could have been done differently to make it a better movie? But we'll finish kind of with the gripes, uh, which we could go on for a while. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Um, the things I liked. I liked the opening with Penny. You know, the the chase of Harlow. I mean, it was basically right out of the book, slightly differently executed. Mm -hmm. um, I liked. I was. I was perfectly okay with Odd being able to handle himself. You know, I, I thought that was a change that made sense. Yeah. Um, even yeah. though. It takes him just a little bit out of the sort of everyman thing where Odd in the book is, mm -hmm. he has no special martial arts training or anything or boxing, but he's just compelled to act. Just don't give and him a spatula. Right, right, exactly. And so he, <laughs> so he acts and that's sort of the, what makes him a hero is that despite the fact that he's no tougher than anybody else, uh, he, when he sees something that needs right. to be done, he does it. Yes. So, um, I, I did, I did like Fungus Man. I, I thought he was appropriately alien. And so that that worked for me. I was a little bummed that they didn't have the scene in the diner with him eating that crap load of food. I know it would have been awesome to see yeah. all that cardiac food. fries. Yeah, yeah, cardiac <laughs> shingles. Cardiac shingles. <laughs> that would have been cool. Um, I yeah, I, I mentioned I liked William Willem Dafoe. Um, I was okay with the sort of car chase thing at the end. I thought that actually made an okay way to translate something that was tense in a book and make it tense in a film because tense in book does not necessarily make tense in film. No. You mean the truck driving the truck? The... Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And it's Got not it. a car chase. It's a, a right. truck chase thing. It's not really a chase uh, either, but that's beside the point. No. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> Shut up, James. Um, I like that they sort of kept faithful to 
Odd gets a baseball bat and drops somebody with one swing. Yeah. Because in so many yeah, movies, cool. you're going to see bad guys that just keep getting up. And I'm sorry, but when you get hit full on in the sweet with the sweet spot in the jaw, yeah. um, you're gone. You're, yeah, you're not getting back up soon. Um, so, uh, I love the progressive reveal that happens all through the the mall scene at the end. Yeah. Yeah, I liked I liked the way yeah. they did that, where they kept revisiting the scene of like the at the dinner table with the cigarettes or whatever, um, where they kept showing more people mm-hmm. along yeah, the fun as well. Right. Um, yeah, I totally forgot about the third person in that in the in the movie, yeah. but I knew about the, the truck and right. Yeah, I couldn't I remember like, that. I couldn't remember oh, if that was correct or not. Where is it going to get to that? Oh, yeah. oh, oh um, yeah, okay. So one other just little <laughs> sort of nod to not just the book, but to the book series was there was a sign that was held up at the end when Odd's kind of getting the hero's welcome, which I don't think he ever gets in the book. Oh, um, the, yeah. In Odd We Trust. Right. Which yeah. is a reference to one of the graphic novels. So That was pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned that there, there's people camped outside of Stormy's apartment all the time and how that's, yeah. that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons they stayed inside. Right. Right. And he, and he took the back door out of the hospital when he left the hospital. Right. Yeah. Um, I I liked that the ending was kept essentially the same, and maybe we don't need to. I think we just got past it. Yeah, yeah I think we so. just passed it up. Um, that uh, although, so if there's anybody out there who's read the book, yeah, the ending is the same. So and <laughs> and that was to me it was the most affecting part. I was surprising. It was surprising to me actually how uh, moved how moved I was. Yeah, at the end, um, mm-hmm. considering I didn't like the actors that much. Right. Um, I mean, I liked. Antonio and the, I, th- I thought the way they did it worked. Yeah, and they they it stayed essentially the to the same as the book. Yeah, um, one thing I was wanting to ask Colin, since you've re- recently read the book, the, the uh, character of Lizette, who is very very minor in the book, she's just introduced at the barbecue, right? That Only she's the barbecue, sort of yes. being fixed up with one of the one of the new deputies. New right. deputies. Um, something yeah. happens to her in the in the movie. Kind that of a bigger role in the movie. Does in the in the book, right? Well, that's because they they combine. Yeah, there's that, and they they actually combined two characters. Okay, so the the nurse in the hospital. Uh, when he goes to visit the the um, chief, the chief, okay, and Lisette are merged into one, and so there's this okay. whole this whole whole attraction thing that doesn't happen with Lisette. It only happens with the nurse. Right. Okay, yeah, and that that's the kind of character consolidation is one of those things in film adaptations that I I'm like, yeah, that works. That that makes sense. When it I mean, it doesn't always work. When but, it when it makes totally, sense, yeah. it works. Yeah, and when it's when yeah. it's the kind of thing where I didn't remember that the nurse existed, then that to me says it works. Yeah. So yeah. I think they could have dropped the whole dog scene and not have affected the movie very much. I think they could have. Yeah. I would rather buy other things instead of having that in there. I think that was their way of introducing the other bad guy. Just kind of having that there to, to refer sure, back to later. To refer back to yeah. later. Yeah, so, I suppose. They had already sort of introduced him, so I don't think they needed to do that. Yeah. Um, and so I was writing down like um, changes that I approved of or didn't approve of, and, and obviously one of the ones I approved of was no Elvis. Um, so I'm, I want to pin you down on this one because you, okay. wanted, you wanted Elvis. How do you do it? If you if you want to do this movie and you want Elvis in it, how do you do it? Uh, well, Odd has to have a car first of all, right? Because he borrows Terry's car or Roselli's car. He borrows point. Terry's and Roselli's car. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And uh, you you have to have somebody that can physically act without saying a word. So it's you want be somebody very... who looks like Elvis a little who bit, looks like Elvis a little so, bit. This is my problem with it. Like, like trying to think of how you would adapt this. Like, well, you can't get Elvis. You're not going to do right. like from Forrest Gump and 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 find a <laughs> bunch of clips of Elvis and and insert him into things, um, even though he was wearing like garb from different movies and different eras and stuff. Right. Um, so I just, to me, I looked at that. I'm like, if if I was adapting it, I'd go, okay, Chuck Elvis, because it you don't know how to adapt it's it. Too difficult. Yeah. Wow. 
Okay, so I, I could see that. If it was hard to adapt, but I think I still would have written it. I think I would have filmed it, and if it didn't work, it would have been on the cutting room floor. Okay. And maybe it is. One of the things that, that I you know that I love and I, I talk about is I love director's cuts. I love mm -hmm. deleted scenes, and I love commentaries. Yeah, unfortunately, the DVD that I bought had, nah, nothing, had nothing. nothing. I don't know it. that they were made in this case. Those take it, a lot of money to produce. Yeah, so we should mention that, that the movie was filmed in 2011, I believe. Yeah, and and went into some sort of legal battle or something where where they just weren't able to release it, and the, so finally when they did, they didn't do a major theatrical release. They released it on Amazon Prime, mm -hmm. and and you could pre-order it, and so that's what we ended up doing. And I would have gone to see it in the theater just to support that the movie was finally out, but I don't think it was around. So no, so I bought the DVD. Or I did there my, was a limited release that wasn't done in Portland. That's one of the big downsides, right? Right. We're not San Francisco. We're not Seattle. Yeah, not L.A. We're not L.A. Yeah. Uh, you know, big shout out to the, uh, the the tire man, the tire store ghost. Mm -hmm. Hard to believe that's the same guy that played the mummy. Yes, Imhotep <laughs> from the mummy. Yes. And you know, you've got a, a lot of stones. If you can stand up in front of an audience and, and pick your nose with your with your chopped off arm, that was totally yeah. awesome. Uh, he knows what side his bread's buttered. That's right. So. <laughs> well, and he's worked with the director, <laughs> producer, good. screenwriter several times. Right, because it was Stephen Summers, right? The guy right. who did the Mummy movies, which yeah. are pretty fun, actually. Yeah. And right. Mr. Summers, if you hear this and, and you want to call us up and chew us out for being stupid about why this did or didn't work, we'd love it. Yes. We'd absolutely love it. You know, school us, please. <laughs> yes, feedback at pavementpodcast.com. Yes. I haven't given out the contact information, but there it is, pavementpodcast.com. Um so b before we wrap up here, and, and we've gone pretty long for something where we only had one book and one movie, and <laughs> and anyone who's listening to this and hasn't listened to previous things, you know, when we did um, The Day the Earth Stood Still, we had two movies and a short story with Planet of the Apes. We had three movies and a book. Yeah. Um, and so on our last episode, we had a short story and a book, a short story and a movie, and now we had a full-length novel and a movie. And our next one, we're going to have a full-length novel and a movie. Right. But it... Sometimes you, 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 I thought maybe this would be a short discussion, but I think I was fooling myself. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I'm not the only person here that loves the book. Right. And this is true. When, oh. when we're passionate about stuff, we talk about it. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, like if you, if you had God mode powers, you know, you could, you could make changes in the timeline and, and figure out how to make the movie better. What would you have done? Different actors. Yeah, different so actress would have been. I I was actually I I I mentioned to James. So one yeah. of the gripes that my sister had. Um, let me. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Things. What kind of? You said we we finally have some listener feedback, right? And not just because we told our wives to do it, right? <laughs> Fan review. Um, let me find it. And so while he's looking, you know, I, I, what did Emily think of the movie? Did she enjoy the movie as well? You said she cried at the end of yeah. the book. What happened at the end of the movie? Cried. Cried. And again. she liked she liked the movie. Is yeah. she a pushover though? No, no. I actually, I'm not 100 percent sure she actually cried okay. at the end of the movie, because she. I know, I know she did cry at the end of the book, but um, no, she overall she liked the movie. Um, she was disappointed that um, they didn't go more with uh, Ozzy, and because she really wanted to see the exploding cow. Oh yeah, <laughs> yes. that would have been awesome. <laughs> I like that just sort of a non sequitur in the book that yeah. you know you're like wait, what do you mean someone blew up your cow? <laughs> and then it like cuts and goes to another chapter. Yeah, right. Um, well, yeah, in the, in the book before he. Before we find out that it was a, a sign, I thought they literally blew up a cow in his lawn. I was like, what? No, no, I think it was a cow, but it was plastic. It was a sculpture. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, I, th I was thinking like a real cow. Oh, like a real cow. meat <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. Gosh. Okay. That'd be a great nod to the horror novels. <laughs> right. Yes, we have gore. <laughs> yes. It's a cow. <laughs> okay, yeah. so uh, one, one comment from my sister was, this may be me being a prude, but did Stormy have to wear such skimpy undies? <laughs> really, I liked how in innocent their love was. And th this is something that I, I picked up on. And w that scene where they go back to Stormy's apartment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And in the book, it talks about how 
she makes like plain panties and a t-shirt look really sexy. And then in right. in the movie, she's wearing these hot right. tamale yeah. undies. I don't know if that was something stuck out to you, but I, I thought, yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, and that's, that's where they're dangling that, okay, this is a couple that is, you know, active. Mm-hmm. You know, there was together. some modernization. There were cell phones. There were no cell phones in the book. There were in the movie. No cell phones that were used anyway. Right. I mean, it's it's set in modern times. So, yeah. but yeah, odd having a cell mm-hmm. phone was not there. But that was to get the other the actress more screen time, right? To have her interact with him, not having to be face to face. And the unfortunate All part right. of that is, is that she just wasn't much. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. It, it, maybe she's fine in other stuff. I just found her a little wooden in the in the entire thing. See, so. that's what I would have said about odd. Really? So you didn't like Anton Yeltsin at all? No. Okay. See, I, I enjoyed him, and my, my my sister said she enjoyed him too. Because um, yeah, those lines they didn't snap. I, hmm. I didn't get the I didn't get the smart ass out of odd. Oh, okay. That I know and <laughs> knew and loved from the right. book. Right. I was also disappointed he just didn't wear a t-shirt and jeans. Yeah, he wore <laughs> other things aside from a t-shirt and <laughs> jeans. Yes. Yeah, he's supposed to wear like a white t-shirt. Right, right a white yeah. t-shirt and jeans the whole time. I'm like, yeah, oh. and okay, that's actually when when I first saw the preview, I'm like, Colin's not going to like that. He's wearing, <laughs> he's wearing a black t-shirt. <laughs> So, you know, I was so sensitive to differences, I noticed that he picked the lock instead of loiding it with his uh, driver's license. Are you sure about that? Because yes, I've watched it twice, and I thought I thought it looked like he just jimmied it. No, no, but he's he's there working at the lock. He's not working on the side oh, of the jam. Wow. Uh, yeah. That's so it, how... Yeah. See, I think it, you would have benefited from a second viewing just because it, it's tough when there's something that you're very close to and you watch it the first time, and all you're looking for is how they screwed it up. Um, and well, then, I didn't expect him to screw it up. I was hopeful oh, okay. that it would be adapted well. Right. So, yeah, thing, things to change. To okay, say, I'll lead off here. Yeah. I think rather than making a feature film, I, I think it's really hard to compress this kind of a story into a 90-minute movie. And so maybe one thing that you could have done is just go, okay, let's go two hours or two and a half hours and make it, you know, just keep in the stuff that we need to keep in. But I don't think that necessarily would have worked because the major thing that was, to me, the misstep was that chemistry and understanding mm-hmm. Stormy and Odd. Mm-hmm. And the only way to, to me to get that right would have been to do like a television series. You could have done a full season just dedicated to that book. Now, I'm not talking like a 22 episode season. 16 I'm thinking 12. You, yeah, 12 or 13, like a Netflix original series or something, which I'm just putting it out there. I don't even need any credit. Just make it make it happen. Um, because you could then take your time. You could follow those rabbit trails. You could figure You could have a whole episode dedicated to Odd's history with his parents mm-hmm. and mm. and just not have much else actually happen um but in order to just kind of fill in that background about who odd is and and what makes him tick what then makes we might him... actually meet his dad right yeah <laughs> and i didn't mind that, that would have been interesting <laughs> yeah I, I didn't mind that we didn't meet him but but no it's just it's it was really hard to get behind the hero and the heroine when you didn't know them mm-hmm. so i mean i, I knew them from from the book, and that's that's why I think at the ending I found it affecting. Mm-hmm. But so in a way, we're biased. Definitely. So one of the things I started to do, like halfway through the movie, was I like, okay, yeah, this is very significantly different. The plot is really the same. The characters are mostly the same. But there's all these little things missing that made it this great story that I love, right? Right. And so then I, I took the step back and said, if I had never read the book, would I have enjoyed this movie? Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought, you know, maybe. Mm-hmm. And then I went to Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> Critics did not like this movie. Right. They didn't like the uneven yeah. tempo, but the uneven tempo is what the book is all about. This right. wandering between, you know, happiness and hope and despair and fear. And, yeah, right. It's a great roller coaster ride. Yeah. Um, 
I think it would and have been a better roller coaster ride with the chemistry, like you were saying. Yeah. It just wasn't there. Yeah. yeah so buy us half an hour, d- different characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think so. It is a pretty faithful adaptation when you when you really like pin it down. Oh yeah, in broad strokes. Fail. I mean, they did not change a lot. They they made some changes and they made a lot of cuts. Well, um, so yeah, they just they streamlined the plot. Yeah, in, in but opinion. so th- yeah, to this 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 to me says. Just no. because you're faithful does not mean you're going to have a great movie. Right. Um, True. And I'll come down and say I enjoyed the movie. I thought it was good, but not, not great. Not great. Not great. No. So I'm not going to watch it every other year or so. No. <laughs> I mean, I, I own it. So a, a, anybody out there, you want to borrow it? I'll, I'll send it to you. So because my sister has a copy too, so I can always bum it. Nice. Do we have any other listener feedback? Uh, we do. I mean, we. I. I had uh, feedback from from my high school friend Hal, who who said, and <laughs> this pretty much kind of sums up our thoughts. The book was great. I was not aware they made a movie. <laughs> so, Hal, um, watch it. Come back and tell us more about it. Maybe we'll cut you in on a, on a future episode. Yeah. Uh, I mean, a couple of the other comments. I had one from, from one of my cousins uh, who really missed Elvis and wanted Elvis in there. Um, okay, so this is... Uh, Yay, pro-Elvis people. I think it would, it would have been difficult to include Elvis, but I think if they had some in some creative fashion, it would have been awesome. Maybe hard to do though, right? Seth? Right, and that, right. That, that, I, I agree. It would have been hard to do, yeah. and that's probably why they didn't do it. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying, if they had, I, in some awesome right. creative fashion, I think it would have been cool. Yeah, I think I think I think the math on that so. is okay. Ninety <laughs> percent. We, we can get we can get it to where we think it's ninety percent good. Right. But if we don't hit it, then it's going to be right. really that's bad um, because it's going to be distracting. But there's plenty of other things they could have done with the movie to make it better besides Elvis. Obviously. Yes. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, which to, may so take to me, like the, the two main things you could have done other than extending it out so that you had more time for everything was mm-hmm. was better chemistry between the leads. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like we disagree about Anton Yelchin. I liked him, but I didn't like Stormy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Bodox. I would have liked. Better Bodox. To, yeah. I could have been good. I not, didn't not want Bodax. them to be characters. Not Bodax. Bodox. Right. That was, I, I didn't, I guess I didn't mention that <laughs> to me. That was annoying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and there's nothing wrong God. with Addison Timley. I hope I got your name right. Uh, doing Stormy, it's just that you know she was described differently. She she's supposed to be someone that can kick your butt and look really good doing it, right? You know, like comic book heroine maybe. Mm-hmm. And while she does, I think she does a good job acting. There, yeah, there was a lack of chemistry, but whether that's one sided or two sided is probably debatable. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, I wanted to see you thump somebody just so that you could say you were Stormy. Right. Sure. Although, does she do that in the book? No, it's just more of the the way she's written. Right. Um, and it, yeah, maybe she was difficult to translate, and it's a bias against women. That could have been. Yeah. No. No. She was just wrong for the part. No offense. <laughs> yeah. I thought they had no. completely skipped Little Ozzy because he shows up in such a late part of the movie. And I, again, right. I think yeah. it might have worked to do an intro. Yeah, you may be right. I don't I don't know. Um, they did have a very weak link into the movie, though. I mean, they could have gotten rid of the whole heart thing and Ozzy wouldn't have appeared at all. Yeah. Well, part of the other problem there was that the whole the, the medallion thing, the heart-shaped medallion... Mm was because Odd had had a recurring dream about someone being shot in the heart or something, which right. wasn't very well established at that point. No. No, there um, was an initial dream sequence in the beginning, Where he almost. was shot, yeah. And right, yeah. and so I guess they were trying to keep you guessing on... And it finally did, my, on my second viewing, when I finally realized where his vision was leading him, I finally got that. Because the, the vision wasn't about what the medallion was for. It was about the tattoo. That was that was the dream right. that he was having about someone being shot in the heart was was actually one of the bad guys. Yeah. Um. All right. 
Uh, any other final thoughts? Uh, I mean, we always rank them, right? But are any of us going to rank <laughs> the movie ahead of the book? This no. one's a, a duh. Yeah, it's a slam dunk. <laughs> and, and I have a hard yeah. time not predicting the same thing happen next time. Timeline? Yes. Yeah. So for our next episode, uh, we got a listener suggestion that we do Timeline by Michael Crichton, which was adapted into a film that I remember being less than stellar. And I think both of you guys also remember that. So mm-hmm. we are all either in the process of reading it or, Colin, I think you've already finished? Yes. Yep. James, do you have finished? Not yet. Okay. I'm about halfway through. So. Ditto. So it'll be in a couple weeks when we'll get that episode up there. So after that, um, so we, we have, we, we've we got kind of a streak going now where we did we did a short story and a movie and now a book and a movie. And our next one is a book and a movie. And so I want to get back to the more than one film adaptation to talk about thing. Okay. And so what I'm proposing is that we do Death Race 2000, which is based on a short story called The Racer by Ib Melchior, I think. I'm not sure how his name that is pronounced. Right. And then also there's the more recent Jason Statham adaptation, just called Death Race. Right. And so we're going to do that after we do Timeline. And then maybe by that time, James will have read <laughs> The Day of the Triffids, and we can get to that. And that one is one with a feature film and two miniseries. And we can decide if we want to do all of them or if we want to you know, say, okay, James, you watch the... Right. <laughs> I, I think we should all watch the feature film together um, mm-hmm. just because that's one of the ones... When we started talking about doing... The podcast we were talking about doing cheesy science fiction movies, right. and that is and the that is one of them that, that like it's the, the one that I think of from my childhood <laughs> that I remember watching. So, yeah, um, awesome. we'll get to that. If not, we'll we'll come up with something else. But so for now, the tentative itinerary is that we will do timeline, and then Death Race two thousand, and then the Day of the Triffids. So, and that takes us out, you know, six weeks or so because yeah, we're on yeah. about a two week cadence right now. And I, I think that might interfere with something else that, that James and I had talked about. Mm-hmm. So here in Portland. Omsi has the, what they call a oh. real cinema, uh-huh. where you go to Omsi to their their uh, their their theater, their mm-hmm. empirical and, theater. Yeah, and That's half an cool. hour before the movie, they have a local expert talk about something relative to the movie. Nice. So for Indiana Jones, they had an archaeologist, sweet, and they're going to do Jurassic Park. Nice. And I think yes. it's in mid June. Okay. Right. So maybe we'll have to do that... two Crichtons within a month of one another and, d- and bump Day of the Triffids. It all depends on our, our tempo and cadence for getting the stuff right. out. Right. Right. Yeah. If we do every two weeks, that might line up really nicely, actually. Okay. So um, I would be totally okay with doing that because that's that's one of those ones where I know, at least looking back on, on both, I've read the book and seen the movie, and I liked both of them. So yeah. um, it'll be interesting. Uh, I don't think we want to get into the sequels. Um, there's no, no, no. A, usually what we do is we do you know remakes and reboots and readaptations that kind of stuff not not necessarily sequels so yeah. that would be another book and a movie um, we might need to put in another short story in there somewhere just to to ease the reading burden on James yes oh Elvis <laughs> uh, I was mentioning to <sighs> to James and Emily you know uh, the <laughs> things that I've been reading and she's like what you do non podcast reading <laughs> <laughs> oh dust by Hugh Howie good stuff yeah. Nice. I've been meaning to get to that one because I enjoyed Wool a lot. Did you read Shift? Yes, you have to. Okay, I definitely do. Um, because Dust comes after it. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Shift's a prequel, right? And yes. then Dust is a sequel to. Yeah. So that'll be that'll be good stuff. But you reading anything else right now? I was gonna ask this anyway. I know James is only reading podcast curricular stuff. <laughs> it's hard to tell in my nook because the kids read on it as well. <laughs> I'm working through oh, the Rangers. I, I reread an old favorite. From like the '80s, called Dorsai by Gordon R. Dixon, which is really good. You had recommended that one to me, I think, yes. when it was cheap, and I'm not sure it still is because I didn't pounce on it. Does character bios and Arkham Origins count? 
<laughs> so the truth comes out. That's James, where all of his time goes. <laughs> no, no, no uh, extracurricular <laughs> podcast reading because <laughs> Batman. Because <laughs> I'm Batman. Because of uh, Batman. Yes. Um, no, so I just reread Robopocalypse by Daniel H. Wilson uh, in preparation for Robogenesis coming out in June. And I also, I mentioned earlier, I'm reading Robot Uprisings, which is edited by John Joseph Adams and Daniel H. Wilson. And it's good stuff. All right. Uh, any final thoughts on anything? Did we cover everything? How did you feel about Vegas? Because yeah. that's not a spoiler, even though it's at the right. end of the movie. <laughs> I was just curious. But I'm like, really? Vegas? He's in Vegas now? Like, what he walks to towards, Vegas. He, yes. Right. That at that. Yeah. Yeah. It's right. It's right next right. door. He's like in Barstow or something. Which even so, it's yeah. a number of hours mm. through a desert. Um, <laughs> that, that was what was interesting. Was this summer when I was, um, or last summer? Sorry, when when we did that big sort of Southwest trip in in uh, Arizona and California mm. and mm. Utah and Nevada that. We kept going to places that I remembered referenced in Odd Thomas books because it's all they're all set in the Mojave. <laughs> um, so Odd Thomas is the first in I don't remember how many books there are. Let's name them off. There's Odd Thomas and then Forever Odd, Brother Odd, Odd Hours, Odd Apocalypse, Odd Hours. No, 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 Odd Hours then Odd Apocalypse and then Deeply Odd. Deeply is Odd is the sixth book. My recommendation to everyone and Colin, you can you can counterman me here if you want to um my recommendation for reading the series is to read the first book and then stop and pretend the other ones don't exist well if you become Which is what attached to the book as i am i want to know i want to know what happens to odd we're told something at the beginning of the book and it's even yes. more spoiler read in the end of the first book yeah and i mm. i have to know how it ends yeah but we're six books deep and we're no closer to finding it right yeah i mean they're all presented as written down as sort of memoirs and he'll stop reading them when he dies He'll stop writing them when he does. Stop writing yes. that. Sorry, not reading them. Yeah, and and so I keep going. I, I keep rooting right. for the one of the books to end with him dying, and he keeps not dying. So, <laughs> yeah, Touché. I, I just I stopped appreciating them after I think the third, fourth. I think I read Odd Hours, and I can tell you almost nothing about the plot of that book. Where with Forever Odd and Brother <laughs> Odd, I can tell you in fairly good detail what happened in them, even though I've only read them once. Where Odd Hours, no memory of it whatsoever. Mm. Odd Apocalypse I listened to on audio and at some point I accidentally skipped a disc and just went with it because I didn't care. <laughs> Though the interesting thing is then I uh, I listened to Deeply Odd and actually liked it a lot more than Odd Apocalypse or Odd Hours. Well, I think we've beat this into the ground. Uh, the recommendation from all of us is to read the book. I Maybe I, I might actually recommend watch the movie first and then read the book because the book will give you great joy even though it's sad. Yes. All right, so we'll, we will go ahead and sign off. And again, if you want to contact us, it's pavementpodcast.com. Look for the Contact Us page and fill out the contact form, shoot us an email, find our Facebook page. I'm not sure I've got the... I'm going to go ahead and put on the contact page all the social media stuff just to make sure that it's there. Okay. In the meantime, we will sign off with the Pavement Pounder's blessing. May the road rise up to meet you and may the book always fall open to where you left off. Thank you for listening and goodbye. I think I'm going to have a lot of material to edit into a blooper reel at the end. Yes. Tons. So. <laughs> Hit it. That's good, though. Don't do this, please. Oh, my God. Gonna set for herpalades. <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate STD. <laughs> the ultimate STD. <laughs> I don't even drink, but I've been meaning to start, and the podcast is the perfect vehicle. <laughs> so, this is going to be just an absolute gun dark to try to... Uh, Edit. This town is in serious trouble. <laughs>